from the classroom to the emergency room, OR and beyond. You're joining Trauma ICU Rounds with your host, Dr. Dennis Kim. Welcome back to Trauma ICU Rounds. I'm your host, Dennis Kim. Last week, we discussed NSTIs, and the the term pain out of proportion came up a few times throughout the podcast, and as I was planning this week's episode, I thought that the topic of acute mesenteric ischemia would be interesting to talk about, particularly given that patients with this somewhat elusive disease process oftentimes also present with pain out of proportion to physical exam findings. By the end of the session, you should be able to, number one, understand the pathophysiology underlying acute mesenteric ischemia. Number two, discuss the four causes of acute mesenteric ischemia. Three, describe the initial clinical presentation and diagnostic approach to patients with this disease process. And finally, number four, discuss key operative and management strategies for patients with acute mesenteric ischemia. Now, acute mesenteric ischemia, or AMI, is a potentially life-threatening vascular and intra-abdominal surgical emergency associated with significant morbidity. Despite improvements in our understanding of the pathophysiology of AMI, mortality rates remain high between 50 to 80%. Now, one of the major reasons that mortality remains so high is that there are oftentimes delays both in terms of diagnosis and definitive management, which really brings home the importance of having a high index of suspicion, particularly among patients presenting with severe abdominal pain and risk factors for this particular surgical disease process. Acute mesenteric ischemia encompasses a variety of pathophysiologic processes, the final pathway of which is bowel necrosis, with associated multiple organ dysfunction syndrome. In order to avoid such complications, early recognition combined with reestablishment of flow and source control are critical. Given the nonspecific and often vague clinical presentation, as we've already stated, a high index of suspicion is required to make the diagnosis, and we'll touch upon some of the subtle and not-so-subtle clues that should raise your awareness for the presence of this diagnosis. Before discussing the causes of acute mesenteric ischemia, I wanted to take a few moments to discuss factors regulating mesenteric blood flow. As is well known, the SMA or superior mesenteric artery is the primary blood supply for the small bowel with some collateral flow from the celiac arterial system via the superior and inferior pancreaticoduodenal arteries as well as from the inferior mesenteric artery. The splanchnic circulation receives anywhere from 20 to 35% of the cardiac output depending on the feeding state, and the vast majority of this flow, about 70%, is directed towards the mucosal and submucosal layers of the bowel, with the rest supplying the seromuscular layers. Therefore, when bowel hyperperfusion is present and sustained, the mucosal and submucosal layers are particularly vulnerable and clinically this may present as bloody or non-bloody diarrhea as the mucosal layer sheds. What I find interesting is that oxygen extraction is low within the splanchnic circulation such that blood supply has to be reduced by more than 50% before small bowel becomes ischemic and this low O2 extraction kind of makes sense when you remember that half of the oxygen supply to the liver 
is met by the hepatic portal vein flow. Interestingly, previous studies have shown that mesenteric ischemia doesn't actually occur until the patient's MAP or mean arterial pressure is less than 45 millimeters mercury. Also, the small intestine is actually able to compensate for a 75% reduction in mesenteric blood flow for up to 12 hours. Regarding mechanisms that regulate mesenteric blood flow, there are really two major systems or controls, and they're known as the intrinsic and extrinsic systems. Intrinsic controls adjust splanchnic blood flow via mechanisms such as hypoxic vasodilation, reactive hyperemia, and pressure flow autoregulation, all of which may be affected by either myogenic factors such as decreased perfusion with reflexive vasoconstriction or metabolic factors, for example, an imbalance in oxygen supply and demand with resultant accumulation of metabolites, potassium, hydrogen, adenosine, what have you, which result in vasodilation and hyperemia. Extrinsic controls include both neural as well as humoral factors that regulate mesenteric blood flow. Neural regulation occurs via alpha-adrenergic-mediated fibers, which result in vasoconstriction and an overall decrease in mesenteric blood flow, with the autonomic nervous system exerting the greatest influence on splanchnic circulation. A whole host of humoral factors, both endogenous and exogenous, may exert an impact on splanchnic blood flow as well. For example, whereas norepinephrine and high doses of epinephrine may result in vasoconstriction and therefore decrease blood flow, low-dose dopamine and dobutamine, just to name a couple of somewhat commonly used medications in the ICU, may cause splanchnic vasodilation, thereby increasing mesenteric blood flow. Offhand, it's unclear, at least to me, as to whether or not this should change our approach to vasopressor management in patients with acute mesenteric ischemia, particularly in those in whom bowel viability remains in question following initial attempts at flow restoration and source control. Although much of the conversation surrounding acute mesenteric ischemia focuses in on the ischemic mucosal insult with resultant cellular injury, increased microvascular permeability, and disruption of the mucosa with potential translocation, it's so important to remember that reperfusion injury, which is mediated via the production of oxygen-free radicals and PMNs, also plays a significant role in the tissue damage and subsequent multiple organ dysfunction that often ensues following rebalancing of oxygen supply and demand. Clinically, I think it's important to try to stay ahead of this, especially at the time of or immediately following reestablishment of flow, be it via an open bypass or a placement of an endovascular stent. Anticipation and aggressive initiation of prophylactic therapies targeted at minimizing the washout seen with reperfusion, including but not limited to acidosis and hyperkalemia, are keys to good patient outcomes. Regarding causes, acute mesenteric ischemia results from the sudden onset of small bowel hypoperfusion, which may be due to occlusive or non-occlusive obstruction of the arterial inflow or obstruction of venous outflow. The four major etiologies of acute mesenteric ischemia are number one, acute arterial embolus, 
Number two, acute arterial thrombosis. Three, acute mesenteric venous thrombosis. And four, non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia or NOMI, also known as a low flow state. Now, why is this classification for AMI important? Well, the pathophysiology and clinical presentation may vary depending on the etiology of acute mesenteric ischemia. So let's break down the four causes of AMI. Acute arterial embolism is the most common cause of acute mesenteric ischemia, which accounts for 40 to 50% of cases. And the vast majority of mesenteric emboli are of, not surprisingly, cardiac origin due to a number of potential etiologies ranging from arrhythmias like atrial fibrillation, myocardial infarction, endocarditis, cardiomyopathies, or valvular disorders. The common underlying feature here is the development of mural thrombus, which may then embolize to mesenteric arteries. Uncommonly, a mesenteric artery embolus may occur as a complication of either coronary or cerebral angiography. Now, the vast majority of these arterial emboli will lodge in the SMA due to the oblique angle from which it arises from the aorta, of which half will lodge approximately 3 to 6 centimeters distal to the origin of the middle colic artery, which, as you'll recall, is the first major branch of the SMA. And as we'll discuss in just a bit, this is relevant insofar as the distribution of bowel ischemia found at the time of surgery is quite predictable. Acute mesenteric thrombosis is the second most common cause of AMI and is seen in about 25 to 30% of patients. Virtually all arterial thromboses occur secondary to severe atherosclerotic disease with the most common site near the origin of the SMA. The slow and progressive nature of atherosclerosis allows the development of collateral flow. Therefore, bowel ischemia only occurs when the last remaining visceral artery or a key collateral artery occludes. The extent of bowel ischemia or infarction is typically greater than that with embolism and may extend from the duodenum to the transverse colon, whereas patients with an acute arterial embolus usually have sparing of the proximal jejunum and colon. Acute mesenteric venous thrombosis is the least common cause of mesenteric ischemia and may be found in up to 10% of cases. These thromboses oftentimes occur in the setting of other intra-abdominal pathology, for example, malignancy or severe necrotizing pancreatitis, or these thromboses may occur as a result of a hypercoagulable state. Mesenteric venous thrombosis usually results in a more segmental ischemic manner and oftentimes involves the SMV, portal vein, or both. Unlike arterial embolism or thrombosis, where the demarcation between ischemic or necrotic bowel may be more clearly delineated, here the transition from normal to ischemic intestine tends to be a bit more gradual. About 20% of patients with mesenteric ischemia have non-occlusive disease, which usually occurs in the setting of a low-flow state or low cardiac output with resultant global mesenteric vasoconstriction. A not-so-uncommon scenario here is that of a patient with chronic renal failure who undergoes IHD or intermittent hemodialysis with low blood pressures who subsequently develops diffuse abdominal pain. 
critically ill patients on multiple vasopressors in the throes of cardiogenic or distributive shock, as you might imagine, are also at high risk. Watershed areas like the splenic flexure or rectosigmoid junction are certainly more vulnerable to ischemic insult with NOMI. And not surprisingly, given the overall severity of illness among patients at risk for NOMI, mortality remains high. When it comes to the clinical presentation and diagnosis of acute mesenteric ischemia, I really can't stress the importance of having a high index of suspicion for this rare and elusive disease process, particularly among patients presenting with severe abdominal pain or pain out of proportion to physical exam findings. In addition to pain, many patients will endorse a history of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and blood parectum. In fact, a third of patients will present with a triad of abdominal pain, fevers, and hemocult positive stools. By remembering the four major causes of acute mesenteric ischemia, you should have a framework for guiding a focused history to identify risk factors for acute mesenteric ischemia that should further raise your index of suspicion for the diagnosis and get the ball rolling in terms of a surgical consultation and expeditious workup. When diagnosed and treated within 24 hours after symptom onset, survival is approximately 50% and drops sharply to less than 30% with delays in diagnosis. Any patient, particularly elderly patients with a history of cardiovascular or peripheral vascular disease presenting to the ED with reports of abrupt onset abdominal pain accompanied by diarrhea, which may or may not be bloody, is always of concern. About a third of patients with an SMA embolus have a history of prior embolic events and the presence of AFib, especially if encountered in the setting of a subtherapeutic INR or recent history of inability to take in POs should raise red flags. Also, important to listed is a history of unintentional weight loss. Food fear or postprandial pain, aka gut angina, which may occur in the setting of chronic mesenteric ischemia, as may be encountered in patients with an SMA stenosis or thrombosis. Patients with mesenteric venous thrombosis typically present with a more indolent course with complaints of diffuse, nonspecific abdominal pain associated with anorexia and diarrhea. Unlike patients with an arterial thrombosis, Mesenteric venous thrombosis is less likely to produce prodromal symptoms with eating or postprandial pain, and of note, these patients may exhibit large fluid losses with third spacing, resulting in hypovolemic shock, which can lead to further propagation of the venous thrombosis and worsening gut ischemia. Regarding the clinical presentation of acute mesenteric ischemia due to NOMI, as we just mentioned, Ascertaining the diagnosis here may be difficult, as many patients may not be able to communicate that they're having abdominal pain. Among critically ill patients in shock, receiving multiple vasopressors, reports of abdominal distension, bloody diarrhea, particularly when accompanied by signs of sepsis or new onset or worsening multiple organ dysfunction syndrome, should lead one to consider the potential for acute mesenteric ischemia due to NOMI. The final common pathway of all the specific causes of mesenteric ischemia is bowel infarction and necrosis, and when this occurs, patients will exhibit peritoneal signs, 
hemodynamic instability, and signs of sepsis. In the presence of peritonitis, irreversible intestinal ischemia with necrosis is almost guaranteed. In terms of diagnostic adjuncts, labs and plain films have really limited utility and cannot be relied upon to either rule in or out acute mesenteric ischemia. Most patients will manifest a leukocytosis, and here I implore you, please be careful of the normal lactate. Although metabolic acidosis and hyperlactatemia may be seen in the vast majority of patients with AMI, a normal lactate does not rule out gut ischemia. In terms of diagnostic imaging, CTA or CT angio has supplanted formal angiography as the diagnostic study of choice. A few key points regarding CTA for acute mesenteric ischemia. In the first place, the consequences of missing the diagnosis of acute mesenteric ischemia far outweigh the risk of contrast. Therefore, give contrast, period. Remember that as soon as the diagnosis is entertained, we want to start resuscitative efforts with aggressive fluids and antibiotic therapy, and hopefully this has started prior to CT and may be potentially nephroprotective. In the second place, when reviewing CTA findings, remember to look at the pre-contrast images, which will help to better detect vascular calcifications, especially at that SMA os. The sagittal plane is particularly useful for assessing the patency of the SMA takeoff from the aorta. In the third place, remember to ask for both arterial and venous phases where you should be looking for thrombus in the mesenteric arteries and veins together with abnormal enhancement of the bowel wall, intestinal dilation and thickening, pneumatosis intestinalis, and portal venous gas. Occasionally, you may also note the presence of embolism or infarction of other organs like the spleen or kidneys, as well as free fluid in the abdomen together with so-called dirty fat or fat stranding. Patients with mesenteric venous thrombosis may also have evidence of splenomegaly and ascites. Finally, multiplanar reconstructions may have added value when it comes to assessing the origin of the mesenteric vessels. Key take-home here is that CTA is highly specific, sensitive, and has excellent negative and positive predictive values and is the modern diagnostic study of choice for patients in whom acute mesenteric ischemia is suspected. In terms of the key operative and management strategies for patients with acute mesenteric ischemia, we'll definitely want to start with early and aggressive resuscitation up front, along with administration of liberal fluids to correct the volume deficit and metabolic derangements, vasopressor or inotropic support should be considered in an effort to support hemodynamics and flow. Broad-spectrum antibiotics should be administered and an NG tube and Foley should be inserted in an effort to decompress the GI tract and monitor hourly urine outputs. In the absence of any absolute contraindications, patients should be systemically anticoagulated with unfractionated IV heparin to reduce clot propagation and burden. Now, the presence of peritonitis on exam usually indicates the presence of dead gut or bowel infarction rather than ischemia alone and warrants an emergent laparotomy. Key goals of surgery include, number one, reestablishment of blood flow to ischemic bowel. Number two, resection of all non-viable segments of bowel. And number three, 
making every effort to preserve all potentially viable bowel. The sequence of events usually happens in this order. However, if bowel is frankly necrotic or dead, it makes sense to resect these areas while waiting for your vascular surgery colleagues to arrive. Before running off to the OR, I would strongly suggest that you take the time to do a couple of things. First, you have to have an honest and realistic conversation with your patient and their loved ones regarding the morbidity and mortality associated with the diagnosis of acute mesenteric ischemia. As we stated, many of these patients are elderly and frail, and end-of-life care or wishes should be explored. In some cases where global intestinal infarction has occurred, the most reasonable course of action may be a simple peak and shriek, followed by initiation of comfort care measures. Second, don't forget to call your vascular surgery colleagues early. I think that many patients may present in a dramatic fashion with full-on septic shock and peritonitis such that we go into damage control mode and forget that re-establishment of flow is a critical goal of our operation above and beyond simple source control. At the time of laparotomy, any and all frankly necrotic bowels should be resected and any questionable bowels should be left in situ. Regarding restoration of flow or revascularization options, this is going to vary depending on the etiology or cause for AMI. For patients with an SMA embolus, embolectomy with either primary closure or patch angioplasty may be performed. In the case of SMA thrombosis, which again usually occurs in the setting of severe atherosclerotic disease of the aorta and SMA takeoff, a bypass procedure is usually required, for example, a retrograde iliac artery to distal SMA, ideally using an autogenous vein graft. Endovascular embolectomy via percutaneous mechanical aspiration or thrombolysis with or without stenting among patients with CTA findings consistent with partial or a complete occlusion of the proximal SMA and in the absence of clinical or radiographic findings of ischemia that would warrant a laparotomy, seems to be an emerging option in a select subset of patients. Following reestablishment of flow, assessment of potential bowel viability may be performed via a number of techniques, including palpation of the SMA pulse, the presence of anti-mesenteric signals via Doppler, fluorescein injection followed by a Woods lamp exam, some people have even gone so far as to cut the bowel to assess for bleeding, evidence of peristalsis, and more recently, injection of ICG or indocyanin green and assessment of perfusion using the SpyFi device. In my opinion, these are probably more useful at the time of a second look procedure, and I would strongly encourage that once flow has been reestablished and all frankly dead bowel has been resected, to place a temporary abdominal closure or vac Get up to the ICU where you can continue your resuscitative efforts, correct any and all metabolic abnormalities or coagulopathy that may arise in the setting of ischemic reperfusion injury or septic shock, followed by an earlier than normal take back to the OR for reassessment of bowel viability, especially if patients are not rapidly improving. For patients with mesenteric venous thrombosis or non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia, Treatment is directed at the underlying cause and is primarily supportive. 
Neither of these causes of acute mesenteric ischemia benefit from revascularization procedures. However, there are several reports and case series of interventional radiological treatments for mesenteric venous thrombosis in the form of systemic or directed thrombolytic therapies. Overall, perioperative mortality among patients undergoing revascularization ranges from 40 to 90%, and a subset of patients may survive massive small bowel resection resulting in short gut syndrome, necessitating lifelong TPN or small bowel transplantation. In terms of key take-home points, acute mesenteric ischemia is a true surgical emergency which requires a high index of suspicion. Patients presenting with severe abdominal pain out of proportion to physical exam findings, especially when accompanied by sepsis, are at high risk. Early surgical consultation combined with aggressive resuscitation, administration of broad-spectrum antibiotics, and systemic anticoagulation are critical to ensure positive outcomes together with early CT angiography to confirm the diagnosis and guide therapeutic options. Finally, the choice of therapy, particularly with regards to operative intervention, will be guided by the etiology or cause of acute mesenteric ischemia. Well, I want to thank you for joining us on Rounds. It's hard to believe that it's been just over a year since we launched the podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing and are enjoying the show, please do share that with me and the world. You can go to iTunes or wherever you normally download your podcasts. Please leave us a friendly, kind rating, leave a comment. And if there are any particular topics that you want to hear about or if there are any particular people that you want to hear from in the world of trauma, acute care, surgery, or critical care, let us know. You can get in touch with us at traumaicurounds at gmail.com, visit the website traumaicurounds.com, or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at traumaicurounds is the handle. Until next time, please stay safe, keep reading, take care of yourselves, and one another.